Today on Moms Going Boldly, we're talking about the Enterprise episodes In a Mirror Darkly, the next in our series of podcasts examining the Mirror Universe episodes in the Star Trek universe. Welcome back to Moms Going Boldly. Today we are discussing both episode one and two of the Enterprise episodes related to the Mirror Universe in A Mirror Darkly. We chose this as our next episode in our examination of all the Mirror Universe episodes because chronologically this story comes after the story of the Tholian Web. The Enterprise episode in A Mirror Darkly takes place shortly after the Defiant emerges in the Mirror Universe. So this episode starts off uh, with the scene from First Contact, where Zephyrin Cochran is standing and waiting to greet the first extraterrestrials to set foot on planet Earth, which were the Vulcans. And instead of the warm welcome that we see in the movie First Contact, Zephyrin Cochran leads a raid on the Vulcan ship, killing the Vulcans and taking the Vulcan technology. And then we go into a new and different opening sequence with new music and new pictures. So I want to stop right there and and ask you, when you first saw this episode of Enterprise, or when you watched it again for the podcast, what did you think of this opening scene and the new sequence? My fir- very first viewing of any of the Enterprise episodes was only about a year ago. I had no idea what was going on, that I had not seen all of the first all of the um, Star Trek movies because I had no idea that this was Zephyr and Cochran. And then there was the new theme song. You know, at first I said, oh, they changed their theme song finally. Why did they wait till the fourth season? But then as I watched, I said, no, no, something else is going on here. And then I realized it was the mirror universe. And I went into the episode thinking characters were going to go into the mirror universe, as we've seen in many other series. It took me a while to realize that this was just about the mirror universe and had nothing to do with our enterprise. Yeah. I was I was happy. I was I liked it. It is one of the best stories from the entirety of the Enterprise series. I remember when I first saw it, how delighted I was with the changes and the creativity that they had engaged in by shifting up that scene from First Contact. You've seen First Contact now, by now, haven't you? No, I haven't. Okay, we need to fix that, girlfriend. I guess when all those came out is when my son was young and I never... I was always under the impression I saw all of the um, TNG I guess I hadn't. And, you know, when you got young kids, it's hard to get out to the movies. I get it. I think we need to figure out a way to get you to see them. First Contact is one of the best of the movies. It's a really good movie. A good story. Well acted. Well told. I think you'd really like it. Then the only one that I didn't see, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I'm going to have to watch it. Well, one of the things that I really enjoyed, and I enjoyed very much watching this episode again last week, was this idea of how they took the opening credits and sort of broke through the fourth wall with it. And we were essentially engaged in the story because 
the opening credits made it appear as if we were watching a history of the Mirror Universe. Like we were in the Mirror Universe watching entertainment about our heroes in the Mirror Universe. I loved that. So the story goes that, uh, just like you said, we're not watching our universe peeps go to the Mirror Universe. We're watching the Mirror Universe characters and and a story that plays out for them and it's just it all takes place in the mirror universe and it's all about the mirror universe and so we start off with we're on the enterprise and the commanding officer is captain forest who in the enterprise series that character in our universe was admiral forest and the captain was captain archer but in the mirror universe it's captain forest and archer is his first officer Archer is trying to convince Captain Forrest to investigate some really interesting intelligence that he has discovered, and Captain Forrest is not really interested in doing this. So Archer stages a coup, which is like how things happen in the Mirror Universe. You don't like your commanding officer's decisions, you remove him from command and take over. So he stages a coup, he takes over, he pretends like he's got orders from Starfleet Command to go investigate this this intelligence that he has discovered. So the first half of the story is essentially sort of his taking over and some of the intrigue that comes with it. So, for example, we get to see the new agony booth that Dr. Phlox and Lieutenant Reed had invented. And then we get to see... Hoshi Sato, who was Captain Forrest's lover, then turn around and become Captain Archer's lover, but only after she tries to kill him. And then we see T'Pol, who is apparently loyal to Captain Archer, or more, excuse me, Captain Forrest, or more to the point, loyal to orders and hierarchical structure. Because I believe if Captain Archer had actually gotten orders to overthrow Captain Forrest, she probably would have been okay with that. But because she knows he didn't, she sabotages the ship. So um, what did you think of all of those sort of machinations and the intrigue when you were watching it? Right. Well, I thought it was interesting. And I thought it played like the mirror universes that we've seen in other, the original series and Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it, it really did hold true to that sort of sense of overarching ambition in every single character. One of the things that I decided I wanted to do this time around, I decided I wanted to watch the whole episode or both episodes through the eyes of the character of Hoshi, focusing on what her motivations were and what she wanted to do. And it actually made it really interesting to do that. You know, was she really loyal to Captain Forrest or was she just ambitious like most of the rest of the characters or was she a little bit of both who took advantage of the opportunities as she saw them i would say the last so which makes her the character honestly with some of the most interesting character development i have to say i found captain archer to be very two-dimensional i have a whole paragraph on that (laughs) yeah okay so we could talk about that you know captain forrest on the other hand he had a lot of dimensions and he was fun to watch too And I also found through my now 2018 eyes, myself very kind of sort of bored and disappointed with the half-naked women. I was really tired of midriffs. I know. And I don't even, I don't understand why that's a choice. Well, and what's really interesting is there was one woman 
who did not have the midriff-bearing uniform, and she was a female Mako officer. So I was thinking, you know, if I was in that century, I'd probably join up with the Makos so I could actually wear a useful utilitarian outfit rather than just something that looks silly and bears my belly button. But even in the regular series and not in the mirror, when we're not in the mirror universe, you know, in the original series, all the women are in miniskirts. Yes. Which, if you remember, you know, it's funny, I don't object to that so much because back in the 60s, miniskirts, but it was also a statement of independence. It was a statement of a woman's sexual independence after a time when women were kept in the shadows and kept out of sight, etc. And the miniskirts, I mean, again, this is my recollection from childhood, but my remembrance was that this was a very empowering outfit. And somewhere along the line, bearing women's bodies became not empowering, but objectifying. But even as we move into, T'Pol was always in that skin-tight outfit. Oh, gosh, yes. Everybody else had a uniform. There are some scenes in Enterprise, like in their decon chamber, where the camera is all over her body in such a way that it's uh, uh, it's repulsive. Seven of nine. Yes, seven of nine. Though at least seven of nine pulled it off as, this is how I am and deal with it. Shocking that they were all in midriffs, but... yeah. I don't know what the reason for that is. I agree. It certainly keeps with the 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 feeling of the story. So from that standpoint, it was very much aligned with the original series Mirror Mirror episode. But from again the 2018 viewpoint, it was it was just like really more belly buttons. <laughs> <laughs> and in a way, it's it's disappointing now when I see comments about you know, in Discovery about Cadet Tilly and about uh, Michael Burnham. And from the standpoint of these people are supposed to be eye candy for me, why are they not eye candy? And and it just, it always makes me realize, well, we still have a long way to go. <laughs> I've, I've seen a few of those comments. Yeah. Back to the story. So T'Pol helps at, uh, Captain Forrest escape from the brig where Archer had placed him. And... They talk about what the plan is. We finally learn what it is that Captain Archer is trying to do. And what he's trying to do is, is he received intelligence about an advanced ship that was being held by the Tholians. And the Tholians had figured out a way to open up this interspace, but they didn't want to go through it themselves because they thought it might be dangerous. So they broadcast a distress signal through it. The USS Defiant from the future heard the distress signal, answered it, and was caught in the inner space and pulled through. And, and the, apparently the Tholians did not seem to care that that experience caused the crew to kill each other. And so the Tholians had in their possession this highly advanced piece of technology because when the Defiant came through the inner space rupture, it also went back in time. And so it was a more advanced piece of technology in comparison to the time frame in which it ended up in the Mary Universe, which was, what, 100 years or so earlier? 100 years, yeah. So this is what Archer wants. He wants to grab this piece of technology and take it away from the Tholians and use it to put down the rebellion that they're talking about in this episode. There's a rebellion in this Mirror Universe. There's a rebellion in Mirror 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 Universe. There's a rebellion in the Discovery Mirror Universe. There seems to be just an ongoing rebellion in the Mirror Universe all the time. 
And if I remember correctly, there's a rebellion in DS9. Yes, there is. Oh, wait, no, DS9 was the result of the successful re rebellion. Yes, you're right. You're yeah. Right. So somewhere after Mirror Mirror, we can talk about that, that overthrow happened. So they capture Tholian to try to get information from them. And the scenes with the Tholian and the Brig are very disturbing because we see Phlox, who in our universe is an incredibly compassionate, thoughtful doctor, essentially be, you know, like a Dr. Mengele <laughs> in the Mirror Universe, willing to experiment and torture his subjects. So that was kind of disturbing. So they get the information they need from the Tholian. They find the research facility. They board the Defiant and, and are looking to take it over and... As they're on, as the away team, the boarding party is on the Defiant, the Tholians find out they're there and use the Tholian web on them. And we actually get to see the final stages of what happens with the Tholian web. In the original series episode, The Tholian Web, we didn't get to see what happened at the end when they finished constructing the web. The Enterprise escaped it and they were in the clear and it was all good. Here we get to see what happens. And when the web is completed by the Tholian ships, it contracts and I guess causes the, sh the Enterprise to implode. That's what it looked like, yeah. Yeah, so Captain Forrest gets almost all the crew off of the Enterprise. They're all in escape pods. He stays on board so that he can oversee their escape. And so Captain Forrest is lost with the Enterprise. Captain Archer on the Defiant blasts his way out of Tholian captivity in the research facility, collects all of the people who escaped the Enterprise in their escape pods, and then they head back to Earth to ostensibly turn over the Defiant to the Emperor. But along the way, Captain Archer starts to show some signs of mental deterioration. Yes. <laughs> For no apparent reason. <laughs> He's haunted by his, uh, his, our universe counterpart in his head, taunting him and making fun of him. And it, it's just very odd. So he decides he's going to become the emperor. He's going to use the Defiant as his flagship and as his stick to take over the empire. And just as we think that he's going to be in charge, all of the, the people against him have been destroyed and... He's going to become the emperor. He has a drink with his lover, Hoshi. He's laughing about he's going to be the emperor. And then he starts coughing and choking. And then he realizes that he's been poisoned. And Hoshi pulls in his Mako uh, bodyguard. And they kiss each other. And it's clear that she's conspired against Captain Archer. And he dies. And then she goes and declares herself Empress Sato. And that's the end of the story. I mean, wouldn't it don't... Uh, you know, wouldn't it put some doubt in your mind when she tried to kill you? The first time? Yes. Yeah, that yeah. maybe, you know, she's not genuine in her affection towards you. This Captain Archer is just <laughs> such not a, I don't know, man. I think his, his, whatever was happening with, I think that didn't come out of the blue. It, it kind of seemed like it did, but number one, it probably was always there. But having watched looked up having Hoshi look up Commander Archer uh, Captain Archer's profile yeah accomplishments 
you know, he he couldn't measure up to him. Yeah. Put that thought in his head. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, the mirror universe Captain Archer to me looked like he was constantly constipated. <laughs> I didn't write that down, but you're right. <laughs> you know, I love Scott Bakula. I do too. I don't think he plays evil well. <laughs> well you know, comical most of the time. And maybe it was a choice, I don't know. Away from it from away from the evil of the mirror universe for me. It bothered me the first time I watched it. I had just taken a break from NCIS New Orleans. So you... Pride was becoming unhinged. Yeah. He acted it the same way. And then I came back to watch this. And it really bothered me. <laughs> it was disappointing because, again, there was no depth to this character. I couldn't find, I, I couldn't understand what his motivation was other than just raw ambition. And how can all of these people just function on raw ambition? That doesn't make any sense. You know, Hoshi seemed to have a genuine affection for Captain Forrest, which seemed to be shared. And they, the opportunity presented itself, obviously she had more loyalty to Forrest. I got spoiled, I think, by Discovery. Because the characters in the Mirror Universe there were multi-layered and deep and rich and fascinating. They were, yes. You know, and like I said, it didn't bother me as much the first time I watched it. It did. But this time it was really because having seen the same, I'm in the same position on another show. During, and pretty much behaving the same way. Yeah. Well, I close to the same way. Yeah. You know, when you look back at at Lorca and at the Emperor and what they brought to their motivations and what their goals were, there was a lot more layering there. There was a lot more, a lot of stuff to draw from that made him, made them more unpredictable. You weren't sure which particular facet of their motivations were going to be driving their behavior. But with Captain Archer, it was all just one thing. And that may have been Scott Bakula, or it may have been also the writing. They, they didn't give him much to work with. It could have been a choice yeah. on either the writers or his part to play it that way. Yeah. But So there we have it. It has to be funny. You, you know, it became funny. There were, there were whole series, um, parts of dialogue where people were talking to him, and he would just turn around and make a face at him. Yeah. And you could see that the other actors were trying to work with this. <laughs> it was very odd. <laughs> As far as the storyline goes, as far as sort of the uh, the next step in our mirror universe storyline, what did you think of this? You know, we go from our universe and the Defiant slipping through into the mirror universe. Did this seem realistic? What happened next? Like how they kept, you know, they they were um, how the Defiant got there, and I do like how they kept that storyline in canon. I liked it too, and it made me really wonder about the Tholians. Wouldn't the Tholians be a rich source of storytelling? Because they have now shown to have a huge impact on both universes. Why are they able to? Yes, exactly. Yeah. What can we learn from them? So one thing I did want to ask you about is we were talking about Hoshi's motivations. I got the sense that Hoshi decided to kill Archer when he said he was going to delete the Defiance records. Did, it, 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 the look on her face suggested that she disagreed and did not think that was a good idea, but she was going to hold her tongue because she wanted to maintain her position. Did you see that? Uh, no, I 
not really, no, but okay. that makes sense. I sort of felt like that was the turning point there for her. When he said that, that's when she was like, I can't let him do this. So if you can be emperor, I can be emperor. <laughs> and that was pretty much the story. It takes us into the next step. Now we, we see what happened to the Defiant. We see how the uh, Mirror Universe got a hold of, of heightened technology, advanced technology, which allowed them to maintain the Empire over the best attempts of the Rebels and puts us in the position for the next parts of the story, which take place on Discovery. Any other thoughts about In a Mirror Darkly? Oh, like I said, I I know most of the mirror universes other than Discovery are a little bit cheesy. So I wasn't still really did like that, like this episode. Yeah. Both episodes. Yeah. I did. I was happy when I first came across it because, like I said, I knew nothing about M- Enterprise last year when I finally started watching it. It was a nice surprise. Yes. So our next episode that we're going to talk about are going to be, and I think we discussed essentially talking about all of the Discovery Mirror Universe episodes together. Yeah. So next time we're going to just take a look at all those Mirror Universe episodes from the moment that the Discovery is thrown by Captain Lorca into the Mirror Universe through when Captain Saru and Stamets get them back. We'll talk about those and kind of talk about how Discovery sort of really took these ideas of the mirror universe and really expanded on them now of course they had the benefit of mirror mirror from the original series and all of the mirror episodes from deep space nine but looking at it chronologically it should be really interesting to examine that with discovery oh and there was one more thing i wanted to talk to you about so at the very beginning we see that first contact scene with uh, zephyrin cochran and It made me wonder about your question, your comment about what the emperor said about how it was democracy and freedom of speech and freedom of existence that caused the empire to come together because those things didn't work. First contact took place in 22nd century, I think it was. First contact takes place in the aftermath of a third world war when people are just recovering from great devastation. Is that what she's talking about maybe? Having seen first contact, but just from what you said, it's it's possible, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, you gotta see first contact. We gotta take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have anything else, I think we can go ahead and wrap this up. I think I'm good. Okay, so we invite our listeners to join us next time when we take a look at the Star Trek Discovery episodes that took place in the Mirror Universe in the context of this chronological timeline of the Mirror Universe on Moms Going Boldly. If you'd like to reach us, I can be reached on my blog, autismmom.com. I could be found at taking it a step at a time at takingstep.com. Links to both of our blogs are in the sidebar of the Moms Going Boldly Podbean podcast website. And we hope you'll join us again for the next episode of Moms Going Boldly. The music on Moms Going Boldly 
is called Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. Ross Bugden Music can be found on Twitter at Ross Bugden. <laughs>